This morning, I want to speak to you about a message I call the power of life and death. Reading from Proverbs, the 18th chapter, verse 21, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There's a children's limerick that goes, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a nice little rhyme when kids want to become defensive about some mean thing someone's saying to them, saying words can have no effect on me. The truth is, however, that words can have a very profound impact on people. In fact, the scripture says here, the tongue has the power of life and death. It's easy to think that what we say and what we don't say doesn't really matter. That it's just that's just words. It didn't really count. It's not of any significance. But when you understand what the Bible says about the power of words, it really sobers you up. When you consider that the words that come out of your mouth have the power, listen to me, the power of life and death come out of your mouth. One of the reasons so many people are filled with so much death and destruction and frustration in their lives can be traced right back to the way they talk and the words that fly around their world, as well as those who do extremely well in life and are blessed. Listen to the way people talk. It is the power of life and death. Now this morning I want to share with you some do's and don'ts about the words <laughs> that come out of your mouth. All right. Number one, here's a do. Do speak the words of God. In Colossians, we read this verse. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. One of the best words that can come out of your mouth are literally words of God that you learn from studying the scriptures. Because these are words of life and they are words of power and they can transform not only you, but your marriage, your children, your job, the world around you, if you'll learn to speak God's words. Now, the only way you can do that is to learn the words in the first place. Now, Christianity is very different than any other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world, you first have to study that religion and learn about that religion and read books about that religion and get concepts of that religion and eventually, once you've passed their tests and whatever, then you can become part of that religion and then if you keep doing everything right, they give you the promise and the hope that you will be able to connect and have an experience with God down the road. Christianity, true Christianity, there are some churches that act the same way, but true Christianity is completely the opposite. It starts out with you experiencing God in your life. True Christianity, you experience Jesus from the get-go. This is how you become a Christian. You first experience God's grace and the transforming power of Christ in your life. Boom. You don't have to know jack squat about anything. Then you start to learn. Okay, But there's a difference. Whereas you're trying to, in the first case, learn and trying to find God. Christianity, you start out by experiencing God as he finds you in the first place. And then you learn and grow in your faith from there. And let me encourage you, man, grow in your faith. You don't need to compare yourself to anybody else. You don't need to compare yourself to your wife. You don't need to compare yourself to the pastor or anybody else. Just, But are you growing in your faith? Do you ever read 
the Bible. This is your only spiritual experience sitting here on a Sunday morning. I love the fact that you come, but you really need more than that if you're going to really grow and become anything significant. A lot of people experience God, but then they fail to grow. They don't grow in their faith. They don't learn it. They, don't ever, they never get the words of God in them to the point where they can actually start speaking the concepts and principles of God. Now, that doesn't mean you need to quote verses verbatim. You don't have to, every time you encourage somebody, say, let me show you what it shows here in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 18, you know, and especially at work, people will think you're nuts. They don't even know what you're talking about. But you can talk about the words of God, the principles of God, into all kinds of people's lives. But you've got to have them in you in the first place. So the most powerful, powerful thing you can do is speak God's word into your situation. God's principles, the way that he does things, speak that into your life. And watch what happens. God's word is extremely powerful. You let that loose in your life. It will bring life to you. Here's another do. Do speak words of encouragement. In Thessalonians, we read this. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So here he's not even yelling at them for not doing it. He says you are doing it, but do it more. One of the things that should mark a person of faith is that we should be encouragers. Do you encourage people in your life? Or are you a dark cloud of doom and gloom and despair that constantly points out to everyone what failures they are and what disappointments they are and I should have married the other idiot I shouldn't have married you, you know. And what are you like? Do you speak words of life? Or are you filled with death? Do people light up when they see you and think, hey, this is great. My life can be encouraged. Or do they look at you and go, brother, here it comes. All right. Now, let me challenge you to be encouragers. That's not to say that you always have to be bubbly and whatever. You know, everybody's got different temperaments. I'm kind of Mr. Yeehaw all the time. Ask my poor wife. And uh, you don't have to be that way, you know, but... Be careful that you don't discourage people, particularly if you tend to have kind of a perfectionist temperament, which is fine. Perfectionists are wonderful people. They're great people. Uh, Some of the most creatively brilliant human beings on earth come from the world of perfect. They're always looking at details, how to make things better. But just be careful you don't just beat the snot out of people, always saying, well, don't do that. Don't. What's the matter with that? Don't worry. That was wrong with you. Don't do it that way. All right, discouraging people all the time. Chill out a little bit. Relax. Breathe. Everything doesn't have to always be perfect all the time. Reminds me of a few months ago, we were in some one-horse town in the country. I don't remember where we were at, but uh, we got done speaking, and uh, afterwards we wanted to go get something to eat, and we're driving around, and we can't find anything open. The whole place just rolled up and stuffed away at 8 o'clock or something. Just, man, what is it with this town? We're driving, finally we see an Arby's, and we couldn't quite tell if they were open or not. And pulled in, pulled up to the front door, and I got out, and I opened the door, and it was open. I thought, excellent. So I walk up to the front counter, there's a guy standing there. I said, excuse me, can I get something to eat? He says, I'm sorry, sir, we're closed. But the drive through is open. <laughs> you mean that window right there? Yes, sir. Well, can I just order right here? I'm sorry, sir. We're closed. So I went out and got in the car. <laughs> drove around the building. 
Pulled up to the window, the guy says, Hello, welcome to Arby's, may I help you? <laughs> like, holy stinking cow, you know, unless it was absolutely perfect. He was, as Soon as everything was just the way it's supposed to be, then, Hi, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, don't be like that, okay? I get it. Perfection, challenge, get better, better. That's great, 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 great. But don't be a discourager. Don't suck the life out of people, man. Encourage people. Do you find anything good to say about anybody? A lot of people, really, the only time they ever say anything is if they see something bad, something negative, something nasty, something that's a disappointment. Oh, then they feel obligated. I have to share with you. They emotionally vomit all over you and tell you how awful you are. It's like, please, just relax. Chill out. You don't always have to be... Why don't you speak words of life? Encourage people. When was the last time you told your husband how much you appreciate what he does? When was the last time you told your wife how much you appreciate who she is and what she does to make your life better? When was the last time you told your children, despite the way they act, that you love them and you appreciate them and that you believe in them? Come on, let's be people that speak words of life. Remember, the tongue has the power of life and death. Choose life, man. Here's another do. Do learn how to speak to the storms and troubles in your life. I love this story in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus was on the boat with his disciples and, uh, and they are just freaking out because of the storm. And, and this is a nasty storm. Now, you got to check it out. The Bible says these guys were terrified. Now, these guys had spent all their lives as fishermen and on boats. They weren't just girly men freaking out because it was raining. All right. When they were terrified that they were going to die, you're talking a nasty storm. When someone really experienced is freaking out, that's a bad sign. If the pilot in your airplane is panicking and praying, bad sign. All right. Well, these guys are all freaking out and Jesus is sleeping. And they're saying, how can you, how is, what is this? We're going to die. How can he be sleeping? And they wake him up and say, don't you care? We're going to die. And he says, oh, you guys, just relax. I love it. In verse 39, he stands up and he rebukes the wind. He talks to the waves. Quiet. Be still. And then the, the wind died down and was completely calm. Whoa. That's cool when you can do that. You know, I don't claim to be able to do that kind of thing but the Bible does talk to us about speaking into our situations removing the mountains having faith what do you do when things go bad do you speak life into your situations or do you speak fear do you make things worse by the way you talk about them and I'll tell you what we're living in trying times it's, it's, it's challenging frustrating People, the job situation, the economy thing, you know, and stuff. But don't, don't be filled with fear. Don't be motivated by fear. This is an opportunity for faith. You know, we say we believe in God. We say we believe in answers to prayer. Now, it's great to say that. Easy to say that when things are going great. A piece of cake. What about things, when things go lousy in your life? What do you say in that? You know, do you panic? Do you freak out? Do you cry? You know, I love it in the Bible. Whenever an angel would appear to somebody, uh, the first thing the angel would say would be, fear not. Now, he wasn't saying that as a preventative measure. 
Because they were already freaked out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, an angel appears, and all of a sudden everybody would just go, Ah! Like the Christmas story, where, where you know, the, the shepherd's out in the field, blah, 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 sounds all romantic, and then the angels appeared. Well, you know, you're a shepherd out in the middle of nowhere, and a bunch of angels show up and start boogieing in the sky. That'll freak you out. The Bible says these guys were terrified. Ah! The angel says, fear it out. Too late! Ah! Fear not, I'm already feared! I love it. The book of uh, Revelation, you know, John, the apostle's writing. and He says, all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to him. And when he saw him, he said, it freaked the willies out of me. And I just fell over, passed out, almost like I was dead from fear. Of course, the first thing Jesus says is, fear not. You know, a little late. I'm already feared, you know. It reminds me of those phaeton goats. You ever see phaeton goats? Anybody ever see? You know what a phaeton goat is? The funniest animals. It's hilarious. There's these goats, and if you come up to them and go, boo, they just fall over. <laughs> they just faint. It's hilarious. we got to get some of those. It would be a scream. <laughs> you know, just, when you're frustrated, come up behind the goat and go, ah, just, ah, they all just pass out. They all fall over. It is hilarious. I, what a strange thing. I don't know. They actually bred them that way. Tennessee fainting goats. I need to get me some of them. But, uh. And a lot of people are like that, like fainting goats, man. As soon as something happens, ah, they fall over and freak out and just panic. You know, fear not. How can you fear not if you're already feared? It's not the right way to talk, by the way. How do you stop? On purpose. He wouldn't tell you to fear not if you couldn't do it. You see, fear at some level is a decision. I'm going to freak out. I'm going to panic. When you decide not to be afraid, that is a decision you make. I will not be afraid. I will not panic. I will not come unglued. It's a decision that you make in your lives. Learn to speak to the troubles in your life. Calm down. Settle down. Be quiet. Speak words of life. And by the way, let me talk to you guys, talking about manly men this morning. And don't be speaking words of fear and paranoia into your family during these troubling times. You know, a man is supposed to be the protector of his home. But that means more than just, you know, I'll carry a big bat if somebody comes in the middle of the night. It's more about, more than just physical protection. It's more than just financial protection. I work hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good that you do that. You should be a protector of your home. But it also means emotional protection. Are you protecting and calming the fears of your family during difficult times? Or are you freaking them out? Because I know a lot of guys, when it comes to this area, they're the greatest terrorists in their home. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to lose my job. We're not going to have anything. You kids aren't going to have anything. Ever. you got to quit spending my just Freaking the willies out of your family. Knock it off. Be a man for crying out loud. It's not that you can't acknowledge tough times, but say, listen, we're going through some tough stuff. I want you to know we're going to be okay. We have a God in heaven that loves us. God's going to take care of us. We're going to be okay. Might have to cut back, but that's all right. It's going to be fine. How about you protect your family's fears? Speak like a man who has some confidence. Somebody say amen. Be freaking out all the time. Just calm down. Goodness gracious. You need a swirly or something. Just... When you stick your head in the toilet and you flush, just chill out. 
Nobody's going to die. Quit being the one who sets a standard of fear in your home. How about setting a standard of faith in your home? I love David. David said, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. We're not going to be begging. We're going to be okay. God can take care of us. He'll always make a way. Speak words of affirmation to your family. Calm the concerns of your wife and your children. Don't be freaking them out. By the way, when you pray and trust God, don't insult God after you pray. Let me explain how we do this. We come to God and we say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm believing you're going to turn the situation. I, I just know you're going to make it better. And I, I just pray for a miracle. Amen. Then the next guy comes up to you. How you doing? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Everything's going horrible. I don't know if we're going to be able to make it. I don't know. You know, God can still hear you. <laughs> Do you hear me? He still hears what you're saying. On one minute, you come to God and say, God, I'm trusting you. You're wonderful. You're fabulous. I know you're going to turn it around. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Be like if Pastor Lathan, I say to Pastor Lathan, can you help me with this manly man? He says, yeah, absolutely. I'll take care of all the details. Then I come to somebody else and they say, what about the manly man? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work out. I mean, who's usually insulting to him? I'll be praying on the one hand and turn around and just bleh, and say all kinds of negative stuff. Be faithful. Be full of faith. Don't cancel your prayers because you feel obligated to be as negative as possible. Stop. Here's some don'ts. Don't attack people with your words. Talk about words of life and death. In Ephesians, Paul writes this. He says, in your anger, do not sin. I love the King James Version. It says, be angry and sin not. Be angry. See, you can get mad. It's okay if you get mad. Get mad, call me up. I'll get mad with you. We'll have a party. <laughs> but don't get mean when you get angry. And again, some of you guys in your homes, in you women, in your homes, stop with the nasty talk. What are you doing? What are you thinking? There's some of you guys. I, I hear women tell me of men. Who in their anger in their homes, I'm talking Christian men, some of them go to this church. Who when they get mad, yell and curse at their wives. Dude, grow up. Speaking words of death to your family, insulting the mother of your children. You lost your mind? I don't know where people get permission in their head, what line they cross in their head that they curse at the lover of their life. You do not do that. You women, your husband curses that you come and tell me. <laughs> Put their picture up on the jumbotron. <laughs> Cursing at your wife. If you lost your mind, somebody makes me mad. Well, go for a walk. Do a swirly. Do something. <laughs> I get it you get mad. I get it. We all get mad. But don't be getting mean and nasty and hurting people and speaking death and destruction. Shut up! Here's another don't. Don't judge other people harshly when they don't use the best of words. 
here's an example. It's uh, somebody says something, and then you never let them forget what they said. You know what I'm saying? And it happens to me sometimes. Somebody will say, Pastor, in that message, you said such and such. Why did you say I said, really, I said that? Yes, you did. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I, what I meant was such and such. Yeah, but that's not what you said. You said such <laughs> Some of you do that in your marriages. Somebody said something mean and then later apologized. I don't care. That's what you said. That's what you said. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. I don't know. I remember what you said. Goodness gracious. You wonder why you're so miserable. On Tuesday, my wife and I are celebrating our 36th wedding anniversary. You can uh, send sympathy cards to her in care of the church. (laughs) Seriously, me and the redhead, which one do you think is the one more inclined to say outrageous, irritating things? That would be me. But she has never, for 36 years, used my own words against me. She doesn't remind me of my failures. And I give her plenty of ammunition. <laughs> I'm amazed at how many of you remember everything. You know, it was, you know, it was December 27th at 8 o'clock p.m. Barometric pressure was 30.2 and rising. Was, and he said this. And then on January 8th, he said this. And just, he says, gripping long books, remembering every little transgression. And every time they act up, yeah, remember that? (laughs) Goodness gracious. Don't be that way. I thank God I have a wife that when I mess up, she just deals with the issue at hand. When she opens up her plate, there's nothing there. She doesn't remind me of my faults and remind me of my transgressions and remind me of my evilness. You know, just cut some people some slack for crying out loud. If you encounter words of death, let them die. Why would you constantly remind yourself of something that hurts you? I don't get it. I don't get it. Don't judge too harshly. Let those things go. Here's one we talked about on our Wednesday night Bible study last Wednesday. Great study in the book of Judges that we're doing. And there's a story where there was this kind of this intertribal uh, thing with the Jews, kind of a little mini civil war, if you will. Uh, and they were fighting the Ephraimites, and uh, they were all ticked off at the Ephraimites, and the Ephraimites were ticked off at them, and over just ego stuff, it's just stupid. And uh, so anyway, everybody, you know, they, they're fighting against these guys, and, and they basically, you know, cordon off the area, and the only way these guys could get out was to come through these fords, and of course they all looked the same everybody looked the same had you know you couldn't tell one from another it wasn't like you know there's a race difference or anything but uh, the Ephraimites had a little bit of a problem they, they had a different they, their accent you know it's kind of like a southern accent kind of thing you know you can kind of notice people well these guys they couldn't pronounce their SH's as part of their little dialect thing so if they were guy was coming through and the army would catch him he'd say are you an Ephraimite he said no no I'm not an Ephraimite I said, oh, really? Well, let's run you through this test. In verse 6 in Judges, we read this. And they'd say to him, say, all right, then say, Shibboleth. And if he said, 
Sibboleth, because he couldn't pronounce the word correctly, they'd seize him and kill him. They killed 42,000 Ephraimites. Man, I'd really rehearse my SHs, you know what I'm saying? It's it's ain't just right. Just say it just right. Don't be that way towards people. You talk about shibboleth. We got a lot of shibboleth police in churches, you know. Make sure you don't say just the right thing. If you don't say the right thing, it's the right way. Shibboleth! Shibboleth! They come all unglued. You know, Christians are like it's about doctrine, you know. What's your doctrinal stance, you know, about such and such? If you don't give the right answer, shibboleth! Our country's full of shibboleths, man. It's unbelievable. You can't say anything anymore. I was just, you know, this whole thing with the Miss USA pageant, you know. The judge asked the lady what she thought. She said, well, this is what I think. Shibboleth! Shibboleth! Freaking out. Cost her the title. Heaven forbid we say anything today. You gotta say everything just exactly the right way. <laughs> it's politically correct nonsense. But goodness gracious, let's not have any of that nonsense here. Let's be a shibboleth free zone here. We don't all have to think the same here. God isn't the most glorified when everybody just thinks the same. You know, politics, that's a big shibboleth, you know. <laughs> Pastors, don't you have political opinions? Yes, I do. I tend to vote very conservative. I don't want any Republicans start clapping or anything. But for the life of me, I don't know why anybody votes a Democrat. I think they've all lost their minds. That's my personal opinion. But that's not our opinion in our church. It's not the opinion of the pulpit. I don't think God is the most glorified if you just get a bunch of Republicans together or just a bunch of Democrats together to praise God. Where's the glory in that? I hate it when I hear that's a conservative church and that's a liberal church and that's a progressive church. I hate that. Who cares? This brings glory to God. It bring glory to God. Anybody get a bunch of people together that all think the same. What brings glory to God is when you get people who think completely different. Together, and they love each other, and they respect each other. That brings glory to God. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a communist. Do we have any communists here? (laughs) You don't see much of that anymore, you know. We should put a sign out in front. Communists welcome. Really, why not? Right next to the prostitutes welcome sign. You know, just this... Or communist prostitutes welcome. I don't care. You know, just, I mean, just... Who cares? Real Christianity is about Christ. It's not about your political opinions. We all got them. I've got them. I've got them. i got opinions about everything. <laughs> just ask me. I'll never shut up. <laughs> don't make me right. It's just my opinion. But just because I share my opinion, I'll go, Shibboleth! Shibboleth! None of that nonsense for crying out loud. Let's just speak words of life. Quit buttonholing people and stuff. The ushers can come at this time. (laughs) The musicians can come and get ready to serve communion at the different campuses. Look, when it comes to what you say, be thoughtful. Be aware that what you say, well, I'm just blowing off steam. No, you're not. You're speaking death. So what I say doesn't really matter. It matters. Watch what you say. It's not like you're some 
animal that can't control himself. You can control yourself. There is no justification to be speaking words of death and criticism and harmful words, particularly to the people that you're supposed to love the most. What are you doing? Stop. You hold in your power the power of life and death. Let's speak life, shall we? Now, nobody gets us perfect all the time. We all make mistakes. James wrote about it. He says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone has never fault in what he says, he's perfect. You know, I mean, everybody messes up. But even when others mess up, let's not turn those words into death, even to greater death. Let's walk in life. Let's love people. Let's put a guard around our mouths. Speak kindness to people. Affirm the people in your life. I get it. You don't always agree with the way they think, the way they behave, the way they act. I get it. It's okay to challenge. Do it better. Do it right. That's all fine. But at the end of the day, are you encouraging? Are you tearing down? Are you lifting up or are you pushing down? Are you speaking words of life or are you speaking words of death? You know, the wonderful thing about God is that even when we are at our worst, He speaks words of life about us. Even when you're the biggest, meanest jerk you can ever be. You know what God is saying about you? I really like this guy. I love this guy. I mean, I don't approve of what he's doing, but I love this guy. I love this woman. She has value to me. She means something to me. The Bible says that Christ died for us not when we were at our best. Christianity begins when we're at our worst. In that while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. In our worst state, he looked at us and spoke words of life and said, I love this guy. I love this woman. Everybody else might hate him, but you know what? He means something to me. And that's what motivated him. When he could have called 10,000 angels on that cross to deliver him from that pain, he kept his mouth shut. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's love. Have you experienced that love in your life? Maybe it's one of the first times you've ever been at a celebration church. Maybe this is all really new to you. Let me encourage you this morning. You can experience this wonderful God and this wonderful life that we've been talking about. If you'll put your faith in Jesus. We're about to take communion. We celebrate his body broken for us, his blood shed on that cross so that we could have forgiveness of sins. You say, well, I don't know a whole lot. You don't have to. So I'm not a very good person. Obviously, none of us are. It's not about that. You can experience God's love and grace today if you will make this decision. I'd like to invite everybody to bow their heads with me right now. We're going to pray a prayer together. And I'm going to invite everybody to pray this prayer. If you'll pray this prayer along with us and really mean this from the bottom of your heart, you can experience God's forgiving grace in your life today. Let's pray this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross. And you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart. And to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.